Hello, friends. Welcome to the Joyful Courage podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and a conscious human on the wild ride of parenting teenagers. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline lead trainer. Yes, that's new and exciting. I'm a positive discipline lead trainer, parent coach, and mama walk in the path right next to you as I imperfectly raise my own two teens. Joyful courage is all about grit, growth on the parenting journey, relationships that provide a sense of connection and meaning, as well as influential tools that support everyone in being their best selves. As you listen in on today's show, pay attention to how grit shows up in the conversation. Also, if you're not already on my email list, now is the perfect time to join. I pop into my subscribers inbox with stories, podcast news, and offers every week. My hope is to make you laugh a little or at least relate (laughs) to what I have to share and keep you updated on all the Joyful Courage goodness. If you're into it, go to joyfulcourage.com slash email and sign up. Signing up right now will get you the seven tips for connecting with your teens. I'll share with you seven tips over seven days that, if you put them into practice, will make a difference in your relationship with your kids. Each day you'll get an action step and a bonus step if you're feeling like an overachiever. Again, that's joyfulcourage.com slash email. Sign up and stay more connected. Thank you so much for listening. I am deeply honored to lead you. So grateful to hear that what I put out matters to you and so excited to keep it coming. If you love this show, please take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Let your friends know you're listening and find value in the podcast. Tag me and I will reshare it in my media channels as well. All right, enjoy the show. Hello, listeners. My guest today is Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah is a social worker, parent educator, and author of the award-winning best-selling book, What Not to Say, Tools for Talking with Your Children. She is a writer, trainer, and content expert for Zero to Three, a national nonprofit dedicated to ensuring that all babies and toddlers have a strong start in life. Sarah maintains a blog writes the Parenting Toolbox column for Portland, Maine's Parent and Family, and has been featured many places online, including the Huffington Post and this podcast. You'll remember Sarah from episode 20 and 52. She, 30. <laughs> I know, 20. Did I say 20? Did you I said, say 30 before? You said, you said oh, 30 before. Thank God. That's why you. I interrupted you. So you can do it again. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm not doing it again. I think listeners need to know they are not the only ones with pandemic brains. Okay. I love it. I love it. You told me 30 and I wrote it down, but maybe I got it wrong. Listen, we like to keep it real here. Her latest book is called Raising Humans with Heart and is a loving and valuable resource for moms, dads, and caregivers everywhere. This is what we're talking about today. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Casey. Hi. <laughs> I love it. We're keeping it so real. I yes. Yes. And listeners, you need to know that Sarah and I are for sure sisters from another mister because <laughs> every time we talk to each other, we're like, oh my gosh, we might've been at some places at the same time in our youth. Mm-hmm. We haven't tracked it all down yet, but anyway, so glad that you're back. Thanks. So glad that you're here. Tell us about your new book. 
Your new baby. My new baby. I know. It it was a two-year gestation. So two years ago, I um, actually did some crowdfunding through an online digital agency to launch this book. Um, I hadn't written it yet. And so the pandemic was just really a very perfect opportunity for me to to have to stay home and, and get this book written. So I was inspired by the quote from Jerry Paul, who was um, actually one of Zero to Three's founding board members, which is where I work now. Um, the quote is, how you are is as important as what you do. And that just really grabbed me. And um, I couldn't like get it out of my head. And I thought it applied to parenting so much. You know, it's, it's used in the workplace too. You know, it's a really nice thing to think about in the workplace. But as far as your parenting, I just kept coming back to, you know, there's a W-E-E-B Dubois quote that, you know, children might not learn from what you teach them, but they always learn from what you are, which is a very similar quote. And I just kept thinking about no matter what kind of technique or, you know, tool or tip you're trying to put into practice with your kids, the who you are, the like what's going on in your own body and how you're feeling about yourself is impacting your relationship with your kids. Mm -hmm. And just kind of wanted to write something. Again, I love to write short books, short and sweet and just something that would help reassure parents that if you're you're worried that you think you might be messing it up, you're probably doing just fine because you're thinking about it. It's in your consciousness. And, um, you know, I also share some stories of the kind of keeping it real moments from my own child when he was younger with his permission and um, just wanted to help parents, you know, feel supported in the work that they're doing. Yeah. How old is your boy? He just turned 13. Oh yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Thank you. I'm very, very excited to be welcome to the club and it's very humbling. Parenting has been, you know, a humbling ride the whole way, but I'm sure yeah. that we're, we're here again. Yeah. I, I love those, both those quotes as well. And I think about it in terms of, it's not what we do. It's how we be right. Mm-hmm. How we be. Yeah. And when I think about teenagers, which like I said, welcome, mm-hmm. um, you know, their bullshit radar is so fine tuned. And I noticed when I'm even just last night, I was teaching a class um, with a group of parents of tweens and teens. And we did an activity that kind of contrasted two different ways to respond to backtalk. So the first being backtalking back, which we're all really good at. Right. And the other being, you know, showing up differently, you know, kind of pushing aside the angst that we're feeling that our kids dare talk to us this way and getting really curious about like, whoa, what is going on with you? And so there was this list of, of statements and questions, and I really wanted to land for them. It's not necessarily that you have to say these things. It's deeper than that. It's being inside of a body that is recognizing one, the trigger, right? Like, whoa, that bothers me to be talked to like that. And I'm not going to get hooked by that. Uh I'm going to get curious instead about what's behind it and propelling it, you know, like a freight train towards me. So that kind of, yeah. yeah, that reminds me and oh my gosh. Right. Like first, yes. Being aware of the fact that, whoa, I'm that really felt very disrespectful. (laughs) and recognizing that and pausing before your own disrespect comes flying out of your mouth. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And what, 
what is such a beautiful thing in that moment, which is, you know, that's the thing that you and I and so many other people who do this work are trying to teach is that if you just join them there, you're not, you're just teaching them that you, that's what you do. If somebody speaks disrespectfully for you, then it's okay to turn around and blast them back, right? Then that's Mm -hmm. what you're modeling. Um, And the piece about modeling is just so, it's the, you know, I joke that it's the good news and the bad news, right? That our kids are always watching us. So it's such a beautiful thing in that moment. If you can stop and pause and take a breath and get Mm -hmm. curious, I've been talking with other people and we've been that same exact, exact term, just like being able to pause enough to be curious about what is going on here. And, and for, I know your listeners are probably um, you know, parent, more parents of older kids, but for parents of younger kids too. And I, maybe this applies for older kids too, to say out loud your process, if this is new for oh, you. Yeah. Cause if you can maybe, if you can pull off getting that pause in and getting that curiosity going without having to like coach yourself through it, then you're doing great because I still am like literally saying out loud, wow, that is a really hard tone to hear. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to take a deep breath before I say anything back. And sometimes I'll even say that like, I'm, what I want to do is be nasty back, or I feel like punishing you right now, which is something I don't do. So, so I'm going to just take a breath because that's not where I want to go. And, and that's all great modeling too, because it's hard, mm-hmm. right? And it, it illustrates how hard it is because I'm decades older than him and I'm still struggling to do it, right? Like my yeah. brain is fully formed and I have a level of maturity that he doesn't have. And I am personally still struggling. And so I feel like that, that helps me have compassion and bring empathy and curiosity to my child's behavior too. Like, cause then I remember, oh yeah, he has a 13 year old brain. And then I think about some of my behavior and choices that I've made at 13. And it's like, oh yeah, this makes totally perfect sense. Right. Not a surprise. Yeah. Not, it shouldn't right. be a surprise. But right. It catches us off guard because they were so sweet some sometimes and and they can still be so sweet and then all of a yeah. sudden they're not and you're like whoa what just happened right it's like a personal affront like right This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off.
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And I get that. I get that. I get that wave of... (gasps) Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so funny because like last night we're going through this, you know, the first round is this list of like, how dare you talk to me like that? I do you need to go to military school, which I've never actually said that, but I, I definitely have been like, how could you, I can't believe you're talking to me like this. Like, what did I do for you earlier today? So much of the first round, everybody's like, ooh, kind of cringing because it's like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with that language. And then learning how to shift. And I love what you said about speak it out loud. I absolutely think that it's probably, I mean, it's equally, if not more important for our teenagers to hear us say like, okay, I'm feeling all the feels right now. So I'm going to take care of myself and let's come back to this conversation when we're both, you know, feeling regulated. I think absolutely Mm. we need to not only model it, but speak it. I also think like sometimes if we're, you know, like I told my class last night, if this is a drastic shift from your parenting style, let your kids in on your work, you know, let them know, like I have been kind of a dictator and Mm -hmm. I'm realizing it's made an impact on our relationship and I'm going to be trying new things and it might be kind of weird to you, but just roll with it. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I tell people to say that to their younger kids. You know, I learned some new things about the brain that I didn't know. And some of the things that we've been doing in our home aren't, aren't helping. And I didn't know that. And now I do. So I'm going to be trying to do things differently, but I think that's legitimate for a five-year-old or a 15 year old. Yeah. Because we're always learning. Yeah. Yes. And what great modeling too. Like I don't know everything. Hello. Right. They already um, think that. So <laughs> they totally already think that. <laughs> yeah. So really what you're talking about is an invitation for personal growth and responsibility. Yeah, it's it really is because one of my chapters is called the most important relationship you have is with yourself. Mm, um, I talk I, about I, that. Yeah, because I feel like it's who it, how we are with ourselves and how we are in our own bodies and if we're able to even connect with the present moment, or are we spinning in our head with our to-do list? Like there's so many things about our own relationship with ourselves. Are, you know, are we, when we, when we maybe don't catch ourselves in pause and we yell back, are we then not able to apply any kind of like self-compassion or self-forgiveness? And then we're spinning out about guilting ourselves for the rest of the day. Like all of these habits and patterns that we all have, because we're imperfect growing humans, 
they impact the way that we interact with anybody, but most, most specifically our family members. And so the other thing I talk about is, is the subtitle of my book is not a how-to manual. And so I, I talk about how we all come to parenting with a manual in our pocket that we may or may not be aware of. And that's the parenting we received because mm-hmm. everybody on the planet, you know, got, hopefully got some sort of parenting, good, bad, or ugly, right? We got parented in some way. And that is our template. That is what is guiding us unless we bring awareness, consciousness, exploration, curiosity to that manual and kind of dust it off and do some editing, right? Like if it's a metaphorical book and that's what's driving your knee-jerk responses of how dare you talk to me that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's I never would have been able to receive. say that to my parents. Oh, like yeah, that's I like have... you know, <laughs> like oh yes. yeah. Yes, yes. And so dusting that off and taking a look and seeing what needs to be adjusted. And and sometimes, you know, there's this piece about we want to raise kids who are going to be outspoken and independent and confident, but not right now, not in my face, not when I want you to empty the dishwasher without arguing with me about it, right? Like, and and the maturity, knowing that the maturity will come later, I think it's like the messy middle where they are experimenting with a freedom, right? Like we can't make them anymore. Like we, we used to physically be able to make them. And if that's the kind of parenting that you were relying on when they were little. So I tell parents of toddlers, don't do that now. Cause it's good. It's got an expiration date. Let me tell you, because we can't make them right. And then we have to figure out how to navigate that. And there's just a lot of, there's a lot of trust involved there too, that, yeah. and I, and, and I feel like the relationship, if you're, if you're focusing on the relationship and the connection, then you're going to get there. Right. Yeah. And all, you know, being cognizant of the modeling that you're, that you're providing, we want them to learn how to be all of those wonderful, confident things, but we also want them to have relationship skills. And that, that gets practiced at home too, that conflict mm-hmm. resolution and all of that good stuff. Yeah. There's so many layers. It's so scaffolded. And I remember when things got really hard for me, I have a friend whose kids are, her older kids are a few years ahead of my oldest. And I remember going to her so distraught. She happens to be a Reiki energy worker. So I was like on the table, like what's happening right now? Help me. And she said, you know, case, it seems like 14, 15, really hard years, 16, 17, 18, they tend to come back around to you. And I just remember laying there with a 14 year old who was in crisis and feeling like, well, thanks. And you know, doesn't really hurt me right now. It's really a long time. Yeah. And now I'm finding myself supporting. I have this whole beautiful community, my membership community. And there's a little group of mamas of 15 year old daughters who are, and I'm just like, ladies, like, just know this is temporary. And like what you were just saying, Mm -hmm. trusting that experience and mature maturity is going to land. Yeah. And it's it, so it, hard to like, like, re- it, but, but maybe it, what if it doesn't for my kid? It's like, no, yeah. this is for every kid. Like they mm-hmm. will mature. It will shift and change. And yes, like if we can maintain the relationship, then regardless of what kind of mischief and havoc shows up in those hard years, like they're going to get to the other side with more skills than we could have even appreciated in the moment, right? The important skills, right? Yeah. Maybe not like a 4.0, maybe with some like war wounds along the way, hopefully none that are too deep or painful, of course, 
but you know, all of that mm-hmm. is, is this was something that I said to a, a parent last night, like who was really worried about his child having any regrets. And I said, Hey, listen, first of all, we all have regrets. Second of all, our regrets are what inform and inspire totally. us in the next stage of life. So if yeah. you could magically eliminate regrets, you're not really doing a service to your kids. And I don't know if he was really mm-hmm. buying it, but <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. But all of those, it's, it's pain. It's, it's so two things come to mind. One is that part of this is a boundaries issue that mm-hmm. we have to step back a little bit and let our kids fail, let our kids yeah. have regrets, let them ha- make mistakes. Um, a parenting class I used to teach years ago it was the thing we said at the end of every class mistakes are the primary learning tool for humans. Like there's no, like really people say it again, Sarah, literally say it people in the mistakes back. Mistakes <laughs> are the primary tool for learning tool for humans, no matter how much we want to get in there and, and smooth the way and fix it or make sure they are equipped with all the skills and know about all the pitfalls. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We can't, but that's, and seeing that that is so that we can avoid our own pain. That's where the boundary piece comes in is that uh, those feelings are ours, right? Because these are our children and we become so attached slash maybe a little bit enmeshed, not, not everybody, but oh yeah. Um, that there's that the not having that boundary in the right place is the difference between being involved and supportive and being like enmeshed and emotionally bound up and codependent in your child's behavior and choices, because they are going to grow up and be adults who have their own lives. And that's what's supposed to happen. And that's an inherent grief in parenting, right? Like, and having the emotional competence to be able to recognize that and, and do like, I, you know, to kind of do a little pre-work. One of the things that I did for this book is I, I wanted it to be really just for anybody. Like if you have a two-year-old or a, you know, 19 year, 18 year old, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, the stories are mostly about when my son was young, because, you know, they get to be a certain age. They don't want you telling stories about them anymore, which is totally fine. Shout but out to Rowan who lets he, me talk about her all the time. Thank he you, is, Rowan. I know. Yeah. No, mine <laughs> is like, best. I can't even post his picture anymore. Maybe he'll change his mind, but yes, total Thank you, Rowan. I absolutely appreciate that as well. Um, so I reached out to a bunch of friends who were, who didn't, whose kids had left home and I got some really lovely responses. And, and um, my one friend, she, she wrote something particularly beautiful and she let me put it in the book. And I'm so grateful because it really did. I think it's, it's helpful to know what's coming, right? Like, even though your friend, when she was giving you Reiki and telling you like, it's, it'll all be better you know, because this is a developmental phase, right? That's part of the thing is that if we don't know, it's just a phase we're freaking out. Yeah. And then maybe we were had a different kind of temperament as a teenager. And so it feels really foreign. You know, I can, some of my child's behavior, I can look at and be like, Oh yeah, I remember this. And some of it I'm like, huh, because they're growing up in a totally different time than we, than we did. Right. So yeah, it's not, it's not ever going to be the same, but any times that you can kind of relate. And then I, I feel like there's, there's no way to like pre-process the grief, but that there's little griefs that come as they grow and get bigger and, and move slowly away from us. And I feel like that's part of my job as his parent is to stay current with my own emotional process. And that's that piece of having a good relationship with myself yeah, and having, having that self-awareness so that I can be, I want to, I want our relationship to be good. And I can only have that if I'm paying attention to my side of the street. Yeah. And I think like when you were talking about enmeshment, I mean, 
when we were in our toughest season um, with Rowie, Mm-hmm. I knew that I was enmeshed. I knew that it was I like that my attachment was not a healthy, like it was so hard for me to create space between the experience that she was having and my experience of it. Um, and so I just want to say to anybody that's listening, who's, who, you know, is having a child, especially our kids that are really kind of the outliers who mm-hmm. are really you know, struggling with mental health and just having such a hard time. I just want to say that I see you and I love you. And, you know, a mantra that I really appreciate is that a friend of mine said to me one day in passing that is just like landed and continues to land is being fiercely committed and lovingly detached. Yep. And it's really like, it's a great mantra and trying to um, like, what does that feel like in the body? You know, like trying to really, and this is like literally my question to myself, like what, what does that feel like? Cause there's no doubt that I'm fiercely committed to my kids well-being, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that lovingly detached piece is the gold, right? It's yeah. the gold. It's where we get out of the way and we allow mm-hmm, for their experiences mm-hmm. of life to create you know, like we were talking before to create the tension that they need right, to move forward and thrive. And man, it's, it's really hard and that's personal growth, right? That's where we right. get to check in on, okay, what's going on? Like, where's my, th- I need to, yes, I want to find you a therapist. And by the way, I'm calling my own. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a perfect example. <laughs> you know, you used the word scaffolding a minute ago and I love mm-hmm. that because it's like, we're not building these people, right? These people arrived and they are their own people and we are scaffolding their growth and development because we have grown up brains and we do know some things that they don't know. And we are trying to make sure that they can kind of fall down in a semi-safe environment while their brains are growing. Until they have a fully formed prefrontal cortex, they're they're going to fall 20s, down. Everyone. Late twenties, everyone. Late twenties, yeah. So sorry. That's why they won't <laughs> let you rent a car until you're twenty five, because they know. Um, but they can go to war and smoke and drink anyway. Go yeah, on. That's a whole a whole separate <laughs> issue. Yeah, that there's there's you know we're providing that loving guidance. I love that I wrote that down. Fiercely committed and lovingly detached. Me too. But you know the scaffolding doesn't move, right? Like if you mm-hmm. think about scaffolding on a building, or if you think about you know, guardrails on a bridge, like they don't move in towards you to hold you. Right. And it's not that we can't ever hold our kids, but if you're thinking about providing structure that is supportive and not, you know, isn't taking over, right. Mm -hmm. Like it or smothering or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, we have to put our boundaries where they need to be. And then we need to leave them there. Right. And not move them in because of our anxiety. If that makes yes. sense. Yes. Oh my right. gosh. That makes so much sense because that's when we do it. Cause we're of course. afraid and like, right. listen, parents, <laughs> there is plenty to be afraid of. Okay. I know there are plenty of stories out there of teen years gone awry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for the most part, they're going to be okay. Most of them are going to be okay. Right. Like, right. and that same wise friend who gave me energy work was also, Mm. we met, she came, went through one of my classes years ago when her parent, when her kids were much younger. And one of the things that she said during our class, she's like, you know, 
I'm just getting this visual. Like I'm the container, like really what you just said, Sarah, I'm the container. That is my job is to be the container. And their job is to bounce all around the container, hitting the walls, knowing where the boundaries are. And that visual, you know, shout out to Jessica because she's the one she's offered so much wisdom to me. Even as she came to my class, I was like, "Eh, let me lay down on your table. Um, but yeah, I just think that's so powerful. I was actually talking to my daughter about this whole conversation of, you know, regrets and wanting our kids to have all the doors open. And I'm talking to her about it compassionately because I get Mm -hmm. it. I understand where this comes from. And she looks at me like kind of with a little bit of disgust and says, that sounds like parents want to live through their teens, mom. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it got me thinking and really, I mean, the practice of separating our regrets. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, because I definitely like I really wish I wouldn't have partied through college because I had some really great classes that I wish I could remember. Right. And I can't because Mm -hmm. I was not there either physically or mentally. Right. So, you know, I definitely there's, and plus many other things that I will not mention here on the show. So many regrets. We're, we're not going to do a laundry list of that. Are we? Casey? <laughs> we're not going to keep it that real, <laughs> but I can, I can feel when, and Rowan, my sweet 18 year old is really good at noticing when that kind of starts to come in for me, mm-hmm. because she'll say, I'm not you mom. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's her way of reminding me like, oh, I am letting my own experiences kind of, we're trying to save me. them. I know. We're trying to God, protect them. Please. Like we're trying to, we're like, oh gosh, I have these regrets. So, you know, clearly I will give you my wisdom. We can't, wisdom doesn't work that way. You can't yeah. hand it off. No. It's not, it's, it's learned not transferable. <laughs> yes. Wisdom is not transferable. So give it up people. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Ugh. And and then the problem is the tension that that creates. And this, you know, we could apply this to toddlers too, right? Like we we're anxious about their behavior. We think it's a reflection of us. And then, you know, so it's a little different, right? Like that, the, but the, the root not really. cause the root <laughs> is the same that we're afraid that it's going to be it's going to make us look bad if our toddler's screaming or if our child is struggling in school or whatever it is when they're older, it's still like, we're too personally invested. We're thinking that they, if they're not us, that they're a reflection of us and that it's, we're responsible somehow for their yeah. entire being, which it's just not really how it works. No. Cause what we're responsible for is how we respond. Like, I mean, when I think about yep. being in the grocery store and there's a toddler going off the rails and I watch a parent who can stay connected to themselves Mm -hmm. and maintain like that is when I'm like, Oh, you are onto something there, mama. You know, like that is yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like to, you know, now that we're kind of on the other side of Rowan's experience, I can feel some pride around like, wow. I mean, as hard as it was and as many moments as I had where I was like, no, this cannot happen this way. This is a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I mm. got in my stuff, you know, for the most part, I'm really grateful that I, well, I'm grateful that she was so sure of what she needed. Like yeah. there really wasn't, I mean, <laughs> Good luck the fighting it, right? like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> right. didn't really have any other option other than like, okay, letting you take the lead here. And I'm so glad that I did. 
Mm-hmm. I'm so, I mean, like, again, as if there was a choice there, have a but choice, right. even inside of that, when I finally surrendered and was like, okay, this is what we're doing. And so then how can I show up to this narrative mm-hmm. in a way that's going to be supportive of her, even though there were, you know, three or four big red flags that were mm-hmm. terrifying along yeah. the way, you know, that I didn't have any control over. No, other than like don't. becoming a psychopath and, <laughs> and then what would have happened to her? I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Now. yeah. But what you do have control over, which is something that I also talk about in my book is the narrative. You have the power to us, uh, to, to notice that they, you even have a narrative. Like that's yes. one of my tips oh my for God. self-regulation. The first thing is to like pause. If you've noticed, be able to notice that you're triggered, right? Like, which is yeah. hard in itself. Like even yeah. just that one step is so freaking hard sometimes. And then when you want to bite someone's head off people, yeah. you're triggered. Okay. Yeah. You're triggered <laughs> when you're, when you're, you think that everybody else should be behaving differently. They're triggered. triggered. Right. <laughs> um, but then the second piece is to notice what story then comes into your head about what just happened, because yeah. that is the narrative that is driving you and running the show for you. And most of us are not even aware that it exists. Yeah. So, so your story is this can't be happening for whatever myriad reasons. Right. And that then you have the, once you notice the story, it's just a story. It's not Mm -hmm. like, you know, don't believe everything you think. It doesn't mean it's real. It means that you now know something about yourself and how you're interpreting the situation and that you can stop that and think about what alternate, what other things could be going on. This is where the curiosity comes in. What other narratives could I entertain in this scenario? Because there's always at least one more, but there's probably tons more that you could consider that might feel, even if the other person's behavior does not change, whether they're three or 13 or 18, you still get to feel, potentially feel differently because you tell yourself a different story about their behavior. Yeah. I love the narrative conversation, especially considering like, I I think of myself as this like really laid back, easygoing, open-minded person. Mm -hmm. And then when Rowan was like, I'm done with school, I'm dropping out week three of junior year of high school, I realized, oh, (laughs) I am attached to a certain narrative here that I didn't, I was just like in the moment, it was the water I was swimming in. I didn't realize that that existed until she came and, and, and ripped it out of my hands. And I realized, oh, wow. And that was part of the work for me was recognizing there are multiple narratives that can exist at once. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the whole, like, this is her, you said this earlier, like, this is her, this is her narrative. This is her journey. This is her life. And yes, I was definitely at one point thinking to myself, God, I really hope at 30, she's not like, you know what, mom, you really should have been a little bit firmer there when I wanted to drop out of high school. (laughs) Like, I don't want to have that conversation, Uh, you know? And I've actually brought it up to her and she just rolls her eyes and she's like, mom, I am never going to say that. I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. I'm just you know, checking. I still, still can't quite let it go. But again, that is fear for my of my discomfort, right? Right, it's exactly. Fear of my discomfort. Right. So, oh my gosh. Right, and the capacity to to be if that is the case, you won't you won't be able to do anything about it except feel how you feel about it and yeah. and work like, through well, it. You shouldn't have been so adamant, and then maybe I'm <laughs> exactly. just kidding. <laughs> You're funny. But there's a self-trust piece there too of like, that I will be okay. Like, yeah, 
where we can't protect ourselves from, and part of it is just a desire for that, right? To protect ourselves from what we might be able to kind of see coming, but we really can't, we can't, we don't know what's coming. And yeah. if the last 15 months hasn't proven that to all of yeah. us. I don't Hello. know what the heck will like, for real. you know, and that, you know, we, we probably should just take a deep breath and be here now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I do feel really good about how things have played out. You know, it's hindsight, you know, it's really nice to be outside of it, but so what are some tools that you offer parents around? I mean, there's the talking about like self-awareness and recognizing that you're triggered. And, 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 you know, I talk about this too, with parents, like sometimes I recognize I'm triggered and the conversation sounds like, well, I'm, I'm really upset about this right now. And then I, the next thing is like, yeah. And guess what? They need to know. I don't care. I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. I want to make them mm-hmm. feel bad too. Mm-hmm. That happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Right. So what are some tools that you have to help with that? And I've been talking about it as the willingness, right? Versus the willfulness, the willingness mm-hmm. to say, Ooh, I am, my lid is starting to flip. Thank you, Dancy, mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. languaging. Yeah, absolutely. My lid is starting to flip or my lid is flipped. Is flipped or just and, flipped. <laughs> yeah. And I'm and I'm willing to take care of myself, especially because mm-hmm. when you're confronted by that teenager man and toddler, but I there's something mm-hmm. really special about a teenager. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it's your eye to eye, or yeah. in my yeah, case with bigger. my 15 year old. You know, I'm looking up. He's taller than you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not quite there yet, but um, it's gonna be weird. Get We're there. talking about how weird it's gonna be. Um, so this is the thing where it gets really personal and, and it, and you need those great listening skills and communication skills because, because it depends, like, what do you need to do? It depends. It depends on what kind of person you are and how you need to cool off. It depends on what kind of person your child is. And if they're going to be able to let it go and give you, and give you space because we are not in charge of their bodies. And we, I mean, you can go in a closed room and say, I need some space. And then that would work. But like, what's going to having being able to communicate well enough to come up with agreements when you're not triggered is really an important structure. I think to have like, absolutely when you, you know, when you flip your lid and you start, I do this thing where I start talking and I don't stop oh, again, <laughs> sisters might, from another I mister. Might not be yelling, <laughs> but I am not stopping talking right now. You and might be yelling thing, with your face. That's what my that, kids are like. You're yelling with your face. and another thing. Yes. Um, and I just don't stop talking because the emotion is driving my mouth and all the words come out. And, and I'm, and I also, I've interrupted him to say what I'm saying now a mile a minute. Right. Because I, because I maybe assume something about his beat. And so, so it's a dance, right? Is it relationships are a dance of, of boundaries of communication, of listening, and they're going to be unique. Like you're, I only have the one child, but I live with another human and my relationship and conversations about around getting triggered with my husband are different. And I'm sure, and I know hundred percent that anybody who has more than one child, you're, there's not some like formula that's going to work for, you know, right. both of your kids. Like it's and they trigger part, us it's differently. Personal. Like my kids trigger me totally. differently. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. So So this is where knowing yourself and knowing what you need. And then the other piece is there's sometimes no avoiding it so that it's really just that rupture and repair process. And that parents, parents, I know, and because I have to get so concerned about the rupture because it feels like you're breaking something, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are, you're breaking your connection with your child. When you, when, when you yell, when you punish, when you do those things that break connection, it is, that's what's happening. 
but that doesn't mean that it's broken permanently, right? Mm -hmm. It means that, that there's a repair that needs to be made. There's a reconnection that needs to be made. And that can be fast depending on how people's emotions flow through them or process, or if it was a misunderstanding, right? Like maybe it's a misunderstanding and that gets sorted out in the moment. And then it's like, you know, quick apologies and you move on, but maybe it's not, maybe it's a bigger, deeper issue and there's going to need to be space and conversations. And we need to talk about this later when I'm not feeling so heated or whatever the, whatever the strategies are, like the more you have the the better, because you'll try them out and you'll figure out which ones work in which Mm -hmm. situations, but there's no formula or magic bullet to any of this interpersonal work. I know. I'm sorry. I know. (laughs) Well, and I love that sometimes when you have the rupture repair, sometimes the repair actually takes you to a new level of relationship with your kid. So, you know, if we would live a life with no rupture, I think that it, you know, there would be certain places that our relationship wouldn't be able to go to because of that lack of, I mean, it's an invitation for vulnerability. It's an invitation for humility, for knowing each other at a deeper level. I, I love Mm -hmm. repair, you know, Mm -hmm, I think it's mm -hmm. so powerful. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Right. Um, you were saying, it was making me think, you know, when kids are younger, we have this thing where like, we just don't want them melting down all the time, right? Like there's just all this crying and tantrums because they're regulatory system in their brain isn't wired. And if you don't know that, like that causes, that's the biggest problems that parents Right. Then we see that, character right? flaw. Right. 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 Then we see character flaw and the parents get really controlling and, and freaked out about it because they're terrified. Right. But then that fear is driving their behavior to squash it. And then the kid is just like, I'm just having a big feeling because that's all I know how to do. But you know, anyway, it's the same 
it's the same kind of problem when you have conflict with teens, right? Like we just don't want it to be happening, but instead to just know, like, that's what happens between teens and parents. Like that's the developmental thing. They're supposed to push up against us and pull away from us and be like, I'm going to be my own person. Yes, you are. And we have our own relationship. We're still living in the same home. You're still don't have a fully formed brain. So the conflict is just like the telltale like sign of development for teens and it's not, and, and reframing it. So it's not a bad thing. And like you were saying, it does really build intimacy, right? Like Mm -hmm. I did an exercise to teach crisis deescalation at my couple of social work jobs ago. And we did this exercise where we had people write down the 10 people that they feel closest to on a sticky note, and then to circle all of the ones that they've had conflict with. And my, on my list of 10, I had nine out of 10 I circled where Mm -hmm. I have had conflict, like significant conflict because it's what helps you. It's real. It's what's real. Right. It's how you know that there are lifers. Yes. Yeah. So that piece about development and then just about how it really is. If you see it as a relationship builder, just like, you know, tears and tantrums from a younger child, that means they trust Mm -hmm. you. That means that Mm -hmm. they, they know you've got them and they can show you their most troubled self. And it's a similar kind of vibe when kids are older that it's hard to take it as a compliment, both of those behaviors. Right. But it really, it really is on some level. Yeah. I think there's the added piece of, I hate to even say this because we could launch into another 20 minute conversation, but I'm just going to say it. Um, (laughs) There's this added piece of like time is running Mm, out. And I think, and I know for myself and I've heard it from clients that I've worked with, there's this fear that if relationship is really hard right now, that that basically is a preview of the rest of their life. Uh, And man, you know, like I am living proof. My mom and I went through it from like 15 to 25, very little relationship. You too? Yeah. Not, not, not so much. It was more, it was a little shorter period, but there was a, it was big and messy, very big and messy, really big and messy Mm -hmm. and painful and she's my number one. You know, we are closer now and I have to give her credit too, because I think she's done a lot of her own personal growth work and willingness to be open. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that, but man, like I just, it hurts my heart, you know, just Mm -hmm. to, to talk to moms who are so afraid that right now is an indication of forever because it's not, Right. it doesn't have to be. You know, it doesn't have to be right. Well, and and making sure that you are taking care of yourself, right? Like, I know that's so cliche, but if you are taking care of yourself and it will, then you're not desperate. Yeah. It was just, that's what I was trying to get at is there's something about the desperation of like that fear is so far reaching that it muddies the present and it makes it harder to connect, which is the exact opposite of what you want. It's like a, it like, Kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Oh man. I just had a couple people Ouch. come to mind. I can't wait to share this show with. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sarah, we cannot wait another 200 episodes. Holy no, cow. what were we thinking? I how do not know. I don't know how that happened. Um, so great. So this show is gonna go live. We'll you'll still be in your pre-sale of your book. So, so yeah. tell us where can people find your book? Where can they follow you? All the things. Yes. Okay, great. So um, I'm on all the social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just your name. Just um, well, one of them. You and yeah, the, the singer. Can, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you can, I'll have, you can put it in the show notes if you yes, use for that. Sure. I'm easy to find on, on um, 
Facebook. I think I'm Sarah McLaugh on Twitter, but every place else I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Okay. Uh, because, you know, it's already taken. Uh-huh. And the book is launching, has launched, because uh, by the time this airs, it will have launched. And you can buy it on IndieBound. And it, I believe that sometimes you can request it through your local bookstores because my publisher is an independent publisher. So they should be really in tight with um, with the independent bookstores. Awesome. And then you can also get it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Yay. 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 Thank you. And my final question, I don't know if I asked you this, if I was asking this question the last time we recorded, but what does joyful courage mean to you? Yeah, you did. And I oh, have good. no idea what my answer was. Great. That doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Might be different now that you have a 13 year old. Yes, indeed. Well, and well, we can I'll have to go back and listen because what comes to mind is really um, tied to what we have been talking about is just sort of the bitter and the sweet of the fact that these relationships with our kids are so important to us and that we have to be courageous to be able to let them go because um, I re- I'm going to forget whose quote it is, but they need roots and wings. And um, it's, uh, we can't keep them in a cage. We got to let them fly. We can't. Ugh, I adore you. Thank Same. you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you again for listening. And don't forget, you can get the seven tips for connecting with your teens, as well as podcast updates and offers from Joyful Courage, plus some humorous stories straight from the trenches of my life by joining my email list, joyfulcourage.com slash email. That's joyfulcourage.com slash email. Do it now so you can be even more connected to all things Joyful Courage. And be sure to follow me in all the places. I love connecting with you on social media. I try to post things that add value to your life. So find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook. Don't forget to check out the membership, right? The membership for moms of teens and tweens at joyfulcourage.com slash LJC. Enrollment closes the end of July. If there were any links that I threw at you about parent education or the membership or the email, just know all of them are in the show notes. So check the show notes if you didn't catch the links. And friends, Take a deep breath, ride it into your body, (sighs) release, find ease, find your balcony seat, lifting up and out for perspective and trust that everyone and everything is going to be okay. Big love to all of you. I'll see you next week. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside The Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. 
With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.